On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. An iconic piece of music uh, this Sunday lunchtime on the record. That, of course, is Sean O'Reilly's Misha Era. And today, the 5th of February, is the anniversary of the public premiere of Misha Era, the film, which was, uh, until the last couple of months at least, uh, probably the high point of Irish language cinema and certainly one of the defining greats of Irish film of all time. Uh, How Misha Era came to be, though, and how it was received, uh, does make it one of the more fascinating moments of Irish cinema history. And Donald Fallon is is just about coming down off that arrow high uh, (laughs) to tell us all about it. Like, it really just is magnificent. Actually, Um, I bought the the seven-inch record that Gwendolyn put out when when, when the movie landed in the 60s in a charity shop and I play it all the time and whoever had it before me obviously played it all the time yeah. because when the needle hits it you can just hear yeah. decades of play it's a beautiful 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 oh, wow. piece of music uh, having that on 7 inch god that must be something else because you know I, I'm, I'm not one of those vinyl snobs but to be fair if you, if you are a one of those believers in the audio quality of what you get in vinyl, then I, I can only imagine what that's like. A, a good time for Irish language cinema recently. Isn't it just? You know, there is rightly enormous pride in Ireland at the achievement of on Colleen Kuhn, or as they called it at the uh, award nominations. The, uh, quiet the Quiet Girl. The Quiet Girl, which is, you know, actually running still, believe it or not, in the, in the Irish Film Institute on Eustace Street. So if you're one of the four people in Ireland who haven't yet seen <laughs> on Colleen Kuhn, The Quiet Girl, mm. uh, take the chance to go and see it on the big screen because it, it's absolutely beautiful. And for an Irish language film to achieve an Academy Award nomination, look, that is enormous, isn't it? Mm, so absolutely. look, that film may yet mark the high point of Irish language cinema. And there was a great article in The Examiner uh, a couple of weeks ago that made the point that actually we're, we, we might be going into a golden age mm. for you know movies beyond the English language everywhere. You know They wrote that in a world where South Korea's Parasite takes the best picture at the Oscars and Francis Call Me Agent as a global fan base, it feels like the possibilities for our storytellers as well get yeah. are endless. So nowadays, you know, in 2023, perhaps it's not as brave to make a film in the Irish language mm. as it was in 1959 when Misha Era was made and yeah. many people wondered, oh my God, you know, how is this going to do? Uh, I spoke to Jim Sheridan for the, the group chat, the, the podcast a couple of weeks ago and he was making the point that he thought that if if it was The Quiet Girl and not on Colleen Kuhn, if the film had been shot and made in the English language, he thinks actually that Carrie Crowley and Katrina Clinch, who plays The Quiet Girl, uh, titled that they themselves might have been in the line for some of the acting nominations because that was how, how um, multidimensional he thought their performances were. Um, Misha Era was the first runaway success Irish language film, uh, which obviously marks it out from everything that came beforehand, from the, the very small smattering of Irish language films that there were. Yeah, and I think everyone knows that piece of music that we heard because we were chatting before we came on how it's been evoked in recent years and in a whole host of ways mm. and, and used in a whole host of ways. Yeah, but, t- title sequence of Seven Ages, which yeah, is a, which yeah. is an, a nerdier memory than I suspect <laughs> many listeners might have. But also the um, when RT had their centenary for the 1916 Rising and they, they used it as a soundtrack for people uh, reading lines from the proclamation Amazing. in videos around the world. It was just particularly well done. It was just stunning. It was stunning. But anyone who hasn't seen Mish Aero would be glad to hear that it's up in full uh, to view on, on YouTube. But yeah, in the mid-20th century, a lot of people pondered and they heard that this Irish language film was being made. 
does that really have the potential to fill uh, cinema screens? Will anyone go and see it? And basically what it is, it's a telling of the Irish Revolution. It's the coming together of two great minds, the composer Sean O'Reilly uh, and the documentary maker George Morrison. And what's really extraordinary about this is that one of them died very, very young uh, and one of them is still with us. Sean O'Reilly uh, died at 40 years of age, God. which is incredible. Uh, and George Morrison is 101 and honoured <laughs> in recent times by President Higgins uh, is still very much with us. And it's only in the last couple of years, I think, that George has got the, the credit he really deserves for making this incredible mm. movie. But yeah, it's named after a poem uh, course, by, yeah. by Patrick Henry Pierce. And George Morrison, a young filmmaker, he got a cheque for £375. Not all that much money when you think no. about how well Misha Era did. Uh, he travelled across the archives of Europe and he collected, it was reported, and this sounds amazing to me, 300,000 feet of all black and white film. Wow. 300,000? <laughs> yeah. Like it's not, like he, had, it's not like he had an articulated lorry bringing around to try and assemble all of that. Like it's a huge it amount. Yeah, anything, anything showing Ireland or, or, or Britain's relationship with Ireland, or even mm. the First World War, anything that could be useful. Uh, and if you if you get a chance to look at it, there's stuff in it that had never been seen before. Uh, moving footage. I mean, I don't mean emotionally moving. I mean literally moving yeah. footage of Thomas Clark, one of the 1916 signatories. Okay. Just incredible stuff. And uh, Ruth Barton, who's a great film historian, she says that what he did, Morrison, he created a visual history of events that have been primarily the preserve of the oral mm. and the literary. So here was something everyone had read about and been told about on the screen mm. to watch as moving images. Uh, just before I forget, by the way, when you say that Misha Air is still available to watch in full on YouTube, you know what else is available to watch in full on YouTube? On Colleen Kuhn itself. Uh, if you wow. can't make it to a cinema, it is available to rent uh, through YouTube's uh, movies feature, which is how I got to see it. And actually, if you just can't get to a, a cinema or if you live in a part of the world where it's not a, as easy to get to somewhere that's screening it, uh, by all means, do yes. check that out because you can rent it on YouTube for a couple of euro and, it, and it's a really, really nice way to watch it uh, in the comfort of your own home as well. Um, so you can cry in private. Uh, yeah, basically, yeah. You can go... <laughs> <laughs> the Kimberly, so, the Kimberly I don't know anyone biscuit. who wasn't moved to tears by, by Colleen Kuhn. So if you beautiful. don't cry on Colleen Kuhn, something's wrong. You know? No, something is very, very wrong. Um, <laughs> back to Misha Era. Um, its public premiere uh, didn't happen anywhere that we're used to. So you imagine now, you know, the, the the most landmark film of the language and the national language, you think, oh, it's going to be on in Carlton or it's going to be on in the Savoy. Uh, the premiere of Misha Era takes place in a fairly unlikely venue. Yeah, the public premiere happens on this day uh, in 1960. And it screened at a film festival in Cork in, in 1959. But the first chance that, you know, the plain people of Ireland got, to, to go and buy a ticket mm. uh, on this day was in a cinema in the Gwaltok town of Gwydor. So oh, wow. they took this really seriously. And it's incredible, isn't it, that one of the landmark movies of, of, of Irish mm. history got its, its premiere in Gwydor. So that was unheard of. It's narrated in the Irish language, no English subtitles. Uh, Paul O'Rahilly does a great job uh, on that. So it's unusual for a, for a cinema hit uh, in that sense, but it makes sense when you learn who produced it. Gwaelin. And in the mid-century, Grey Lynn were kind of trying everything they could. They were trying to explore mm. how any and all mediums could be utilised to promote yeah. uh, the Irish language. So they had great faith in cinema as a way of doing that. And when you think about the efforts to which they went to try and instill a kind of a revival in the language, because I imagine now, I, I'm, I'm taking a leap here, but I imagine that after independence, that there, there is this idea that Irish is now going to have this golden age again, and it doesn't quite work out that way, and people get used to using um, English as the, the lingua franca. So they're doing their best to try and uh, cultivate this language yeah. again. And they go down some fairly unusual roads and, and they make everything from uh, newsreels to, to music records to yes. maybe maybe the seven inches that you've got and, and even uh, supporting writers as well. So if the if the world is changing, Gwendolyn's point is how do we catch up with it? You know, How do we get the Irish language into this new changing world? So they do uh, Irish language newsreels, which uh, some of them survive in the IFI archives. They're really interesting. Things like fashion shows in Dublin. 
yeah. and they're narrated uh, in Irish. Really I, I like. love that there's like a, a Gaeilge version of like a Pathé newsreel. Yeah, somewhere. yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Like, yeah. I wonder, the, does it have the same kind of like chummy voice as somebody going, oh, Mr. De Valera going to the cabinet office? Like, <laughs> Mr. De Valera, she's on shot. Well, there is, there is uh, a great kind of delivery in the Gaeilge newsreels as well. It was clever, wasn't it? Because they was yeah. shown before mainstream films. It was mm. a way of putting Irish into the, into the cinema. Uh, they also kind of looked at young writers that were doing well in Irish, but who they felt would eventually go to English because that's where the money was. Mm. And I said, well, how do we back these people and try to keep them writing in Irish? So Brendan Behan, uh, he writes on, on, on Gale, which later becomes The Hostage. Okay. He has massive international fame uh, in the English language, but he only writes that because he gets a grant uh, from Gwailin to do it. Uh, but they're really into the cinema. Everyone's kind of interested in the cinema. And we've touched on this a lot on this slot over mm. the years. I mean, the cinema in Ireland is this weird thing. It goes on far longer than it does mm. anywhere else in Europe because television had really made its impact felt everywhere else, but not here in such yeah, a big yeah. way. So, so Misha Era, when it gets its premiere down at the Film Festival in Cork, I mean, the Irish media are just in love with it. And Barton, Ruth Barton has this lovely line, it proceeded to take the Irish press by storm garnering ecstatic reviews, even in the Anglophile Irish Times. So, <laughs> wow. Everyone fell for it, regardless of politics. And the Cork Examiner said, in a very Cork way, you know, it is the most extensive pictorial history ever made in any part of the world. You know, this and, is and the, paper the in greatest Cork, film of all time. And the paper in Cork would know that. It's like the old line about the Cork taxi driver. He's, oh, you're the greatest city in the world, boy. And they go, how would you know? Sure, I haven't left. I've never gone anywhere else. Why would I need to? <laughs> it was scored city in the world? by a Cork man and that was enough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, despite the amazing archival dig for footage, and, and I mean, it, and it truly is, like it, it is amazing to think they got 300,000 feet of, of footage. Um, ultimately, it, it is not, as we're reflecting on today, uh, necessarily the visuals that people remember. It's the soundtrack that went with it. People are moved so much by Sean O'Reilly's music and and we talked about this before we came on. People who study music in Ireland, they're exposed to it as well. Everyone loves Mishaira. And O'Riada, a composer born in Cork, 1931, who's actually born John Reedy, kind of became Sean O'Riada. Mm. He went on that journey and he had amazing musical ability. He played piano, violin, organ, interested in Irish musical tradition, but also kind of musical modernism, you know, what was happening elsewhere mm. and bringing that sound here too. And I think it's just, it's truly cinematic. It's powerful. It's mm. just unbelievable. And then the generation of, of musicians that come later, they all talk about this. Philip Chevron from the Pogues, uh, Jim Lockhart, who was in, in Horse Lips, they all talk about this as being something like day one, you know. Mm. And Lockhart has this great line, Misha Era cleansed out everybody's ears. Isn't that brilliant? Wow. Everybody said, what the hell is this? This is astonishing. And yet 40 years of age when he died of cirrhosis of the liver, a very short life, but just defining music and, and nothing yeah. more so than Misha Era. So it is actually, ironically, for, for a movie that changed the game on the screen, it's the sound of Aria that, that's most remembered. Yeah, we were saying just before we came on air um, that one of the things that I, I think is remarkable about it, everyone remembers it. If you're asked in your mind's eye to, to think about what Misha Era sounds like, everyone remembers the big climax bit. Da, 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 da. But I think in everyone's mind it kicks in quicker than it actually does in the recording so when you go back and hear it and you hear the orchestra building up and you hear the the harp going through the strings to to really build up to this crescendo that in your head you still think it's going to happen quicker than it does and the little bit of restraint in the recording I think just gives it that little bit of just extra punch it really just is absolutely magnificent Um, politically the response to the movie um, was mixed and, and I presume that is to a large extent 
because yeah. most viewers or most prospective viewers couldn't understand a word of it. Yeah, and look, some nations in history have used cinema with, with, with great power, not always for good. You know, think about Lenny Riefenstahl in, in, in Nazi mm. Germany, but there was a big political response to Misha Era. And in the doll, uh, Noel Brown from the opposition, he quote, asked the Minister for Education what grant of any was made from the Exchequer for the making of the film Misha Era. And he already knew the answer was none. Mm. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I suppose he didn't want the yeah. state capitalising on any kind of new nationalist feeling created by the movie. Uh, Belfast City Council were kind of perplexed by it when it was put in front of them. And Barton says, on first viewing, decided to ban Morrison's film on the basis that they could not understand it. It was, <laughs> it was Irish okay, only, yeah. no subtitles. Yeah. But it was such a runaway is, is, success. Is this a negative spin? We don't know. Yeah, we don't better know on the side of caution than ban it. Yeah. Uh, there was such a runaway success at the box office that people began saying, look, we need to produce an English language version of this, at least for the world market, if not for a home. Okay. Peter O'Toole was apparently up for doing the English language voiceover. But Gwailin were hostile to the idea and they blocked it and never came to be. So okay. I think they might have felt, at least in part, the power of the movie was the Irish language uh, narration. Yes. And the only compromise that came eventually uh, was subtitles. But Peter O'Toole never got behind the mic yeah. first. Uh, that would have been quite the soundtrack, Peter O'Toole uh, <laughs> soundtracking the revolution. That really would have been amazing. Um, so you mentioned that the very sad and very premature passing of Sean O'Reilly. George Morrison um, still with us. And in recent years has been rightly honoured for, for this amazing piece of work. Yeah, Martin Doyle in the Irish Times had a lovely, lovely line. He said, no Irish filmmaker has shed more light for less money on Ireland's history than George Morrison. Uh, Michael D has really championed them. He's got the highest award possible from, from Ishtana. And as, as the president said, as a filmmaker of superb craft and skill, an archivist, a writer, a photographer, a great pioneer and innovator, George Morrison's contribution to Irish art and cinema has been immeasurable. If you want to see this film in the way it really deserves, I mean, you can watch it on YouTube, mm. you can buy the DVD from Gwail Lynn, but it really warrants being seen on a big screen and a live score and the National Concert Hall. They've done it a few times in the yeah. past. I was lucky yeah. enough to see it. Here's an you, idea. You've seen it performed with the orchestra live. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. Here's an idea, National Concert Hall, if you're listening. Mm. Let's do it every year on the 5th of February. Okay. And, and, if, and if you throw on the live performance of the Gruffalo game beforehand, then you might, you might get a slightly bigger yeah. audience. It's the only way I'm going to be able to get in the door. Um, so that is, and, and of course, so the DVD is still available to buy from Gwailin, which is actually probably worth hunting down because I imagine, no disrespect to whoever's on YouTube, I haven't seen it there. It's probably in, in slightly yeah. better clarity if you Fisher get it on the, the original version. Saoirse, which was the follow-up on the War of Independence, and both of them have been released by Gwailin okay. on, on DVD. Saoirse with a question mark. Because the question like, mark is, it, is it truly Saoirse? <laughs> yeah. Saoirse. When you have Nishé Chundayela. Um, so that is available uh, from Gwailin. The uh, the seven-inch uh, vinyl version of the soundtrack is available in all charity shops. Discogs. Uh, <laughs> all discogs. Uh, and the charity shops are probably at this point where you can only get the majority of your literary <laughs> canon uh, because it's selling like hotcakes. Because Donal is not alone the presenter of the Three Castles Burning podcast about the history of Dublin, but he's also the author of Three Castles Burning, A History of Dublin in 12 Seats, the Eason's Book of the Year for 2022. Again, no pressure, but you're going to have to retain it. So, you know, now now you're the man and everyone's going to come going to come along and want to beat the man. Uh, so no pressure on you. But that is available, of course, in all good bookshops uh, and some, some other less good ones as well, um, anywhere you get your stuff. Uh, and, of course, Three Castles Burning, anywhere you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.